Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. Hey, welcome to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show. My name is Tim Seckler. I am the owner of the Seckler Law Firm. Uh, we are an estate planning and elder law firm helping people do good estate planning to protect their resources, their treasure, their family, their home from uh, some harsh government rules. And, and our goal is to make sure that our clients have uh, the right tools for the job to make sure that they have uh, a, an estate plan that works. And so what is an estate plan that works mean? Well, for us, uh, there's a couple of criteria, one meaning um, that it honors your life, two, it protects your resources, three, we set your kids up for success, and four, it keeps on working today and tomorrow. Uh, and um, if you'd like to learn more about your estate planning options, you come to one of our upcoming estate planning workshops, which you can find them all the time at secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com, uh, where we provide you with a ton of good information. Now, here's the idea. It's the same reason I do this radio show is I am of the belief that if I do the education piece for free and teach people all the things that they may want to consider and working with a lawyer and doing an estate plan, that then they will make good decisions in the best interest of their finance, in the best interest of their family. Uh, and so we do this show each and every week uh, just to give you some good information. Now, it is for your entertainment. It is for your education. We hope you find it both educational and entertaining. But this is not legal advice, folks. If you have uh, a legal question, if you need to do some work on your estate plan, if you've got something going on with the tax man or the, the long-term care needs, you need to reach out to us. We can give you legal advice at that point in time. So please don't make any decisions based on what you hear on this or any other radio show. This is for your general information. Um, <clears throat> And with all of those disclaimers, uh, let's get on and get moving forward. Now, this week, what I thought we would do with the show is a little um, current events. I, I've been watching the news uh, a little bit here recently and, and co- found a couple of articles that I want to chat with you about uh, that are of some interest to our subject matter here on the show. And the first is the the tragic loss of Lisa Marie Presley, too young. I think she died at like 54 uh, years old. Now, <clears throat> the the reason that that's relevant to our show today is I want to talk to you about because she has only been deceased for less than three weeks as of the recording of the show, uh, and there was already a will challenge filed. So let's talk about this. Priscilla Presley, Lisa Marie's mom and uh, um, ex-wife of Elvis himself, uh, has filed a petition in court disputing a 2016 amendment to her daughter's will. I'm reading from a CNN article here. Uh, the petition states that Lisa Marie Presley removed her mother and her former business manager, Barry Siegel, as co-trustees and replaced them with her children, Riley and Benjamin Coe. K, perhaps. Um, Benjamin later died in 2020, and apparently that was the last amendment. Now, there's a lot to unpack here, okay? Just in this first two sentences, I'm not sure that it's exactly correct that the way that the people at CNN wrote it, um, or there's a little bit more that could be explained here. Um, it says it's a challenge to her will. Now, the interesting thing about that would be that um, Lisa Marie has only been deceased for a couple of weeks. It would probably be pretty mo- moving pretty quick for that will have already been filed for probate, and we already have a challenge on it. So something was probably brewing ahead of time. But 
Then it goes on to say that the petition states that Lisa Marie removed her as co-trustees. Well, now there's an interesting word, trustees, because wills typically have executors. Um, and so I'm, I suspect what's actually going on here is this this wasn't actually an amendment to a will. It was actually an amendment to a trust. Now, it is true that wills can uh, create trust. So I'll give you an example. Uh, my estate plan could be a will that if I die young and my kids are still little, leaves a trust for my children's benefit, right? So the will could create a trust. But I'm not sure that that's what's going on here because if you read on further, it says that <clears throat> um, one of Priscilla's complaints is that she did not receive notice of an amendment while her daughter was alive as required by a, the trust that, and that the document misspells Priscilla's name. Well, I'm not sure that mis, uh, misspelling Priscilla's name uh, is um, is really a problem, okay? I, I don't know that we're disputing, that there's an actual dispute here as to which Priscilla Presley we were talking about. Uh, and if you gave me a pen and uh, told me to write the word Priscilla, I'd probably spell it wrong too. But but here's the thing. the um, What I think is going on here is that there was a trust, not a will necessarily. It was, it was a trust and probably would have been. I mean, um, a lot of people don't want to run their estates through the probate system, through the court system, um, which is why you would do a trust in the first place. Now, a little bit unclear, and, you know, listen, Pennsylvania law may be, it may be different than, than what's going on um, in L.A. where this is, this is occurring, but it was probably a trust. Now, we would be, we would be um, taking a guess, which I don't really care to do on what type of a trust that would be, um, but let's just let's just discuss this for a little bit. So, what is the issue at heart here? Well, the issue at heart is control, right? Um, it doesn't say. What, what's interesting about this is it doesn't say that Priscilla was removed as a beneficiary of a trust. It says that she was was removed as a trustee of a trust. So let's let's discuss what that means. So, a trust has three people uh, involved. The person who creates it is called the grantor or the settlor of the trust, right? So I create a trust and I grant ownership of my thing to the trust. That makes me a grantor. The trust would also have a trustee and would also have beneficiaries. Now, there's lots of types of trusts. Uh, I'm going to use a simple one that may make some more sense for, for our more um, middle-class, upper-middle-class listeners. Uh, I doubt that... Um, that the trust that we're going to use would be the same one that the Presley family would use. Um, but the idea is I might use a trust called a revocable trust. And the idea of a revocable trust is going to be I create a trust, I'm going to be my own trustee, and I'm going to be the beneficiary of the trust, meaning I'm going to put the stuff in there, I'm going to maintain control, and I'm going to use the money however the heck I want for the rest of my life, right? Complete control, complete access. The reason people use revocable living trusts is because I want to put my things in there. I want to stay in control. I want to remain in access, have access to the things in the trust. Um, nobody's going to tell me what to do. But when I pass away, I don't want my things going through a will. I want my things going to uh, through the terms of the trust, which trust, generally speaking, are administered in a lawyer's conference room. So the idea behind a trust would be that we don't have to go through the probate process. Unclear what's going on here in Lisa Marie's because she's only been deceased less of a month and we're already in the courthouse um, with a purported ineffective amendment to a trust, uh, which which could make some sense depending on um, 
how I'm interpreting the facts here. But here's the thing. So, so her, her main complaint is she's been removed as trustee. Well, okay, so it could have been a lifetime trust. Like She, she might have created a trust during her life and named uh, Priscilla as the trustee on that trust. Uh, for any variety of tax purposes, charitable purposes, family dynasty planning purposes. Um, and if Priscilla was the then-serving trustee, then it would seem to me um, that she has a complaint here. Because generally speaking, if you create a trust, particularly an irrevocable trust, and you name somebody to be a trustee, the trust document and the trust law is going to require that person to receive notice if they've been removed. Um, the the interesting question will be if Priscilla was not serving as a trustee, if she was just going to be the trustee after Lisa Marie passed away, is a successor trustee required to receive notice? If, she, if Let's say Lisa Marie was her own trustee, um, once we figure out what type of trust it was, if Lisa Marie was her own trustee and Priscilla was merely a successor in interest, depending on the state law, it may not require uh, successor trustees to be notified that they were ever even named as a potential trustee, let alone removed as a potential trustee. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how this un- thing unfolds. Um, and man, it, it'll probably always remain private. I mean, that's the point of, of having a, uh, a trust in the first place. But I'd really be curious as to what the trust says from a who can access the stuff standpoint. Um, because trustee is the person with the pen to the checkbook. The beneficiaries are the people who are allowed to receive checks, right? And so what Priscilla is arguing about is who's got the pen to the checkbook, and what would be really curious to know about the trust, which we're probably never going to find out, is if she becomes trustee of the trust, what is she allowed to do with the money in the trust? Uh, so this will be interesting to watch how this thing unfolds. I I, um, I think a lot of it would be kept private, as should. Uh, that doesn't keep me from being curious and interested in how the thing works out. Um, and so we'll see. Um, the argument, uh, and here, here's just another interesting dynamic to it, is that CNN's article says that the will was amended in 2016. I suspect it means the trust was amended in 2016. But if it was amended in 2016, <clears throat> six, seven years ago, then if she was actively serving, was she actively serving this entire time? Um, and how would she not? How would she continue to be serving as trustee if she's been removed? Um, so probably not, right? So probably just me putting together. This is all uh, me taking guesses, right? Probably she's a successor trustee. Maybe or maybe not she was required to have been given notice, and maybe or maybe not a judge will give any credence to her arguments. So be curious to see how the thing works out. Um, and, you know, and it just <clears throat> it just goes to show you the importance of doing good planning because even people who presumably have the money to pay for really good planning, we've got misspelled names and we've got – uh, there's an argument that it doesn't really even look like her signature, so I've got questions. Is the thing notarized, um, which isn't in this article? Because if it's notarized, then in theory, the validity, the, the how good the signature looks really shouldn't matter because she had to show a driver's license to somebody who stamped it. Uh, so we'll see how wh- how all of this goes. Um, so let's talk about some lessons learned from this. One would be. Um, it would appear that the people you name in your documents matter. So I don't know what happened. It was there falling out. I, I don't really follow celebrities well enough to know if there was something in the news where there was falling out in 2016 or what happened. Um, but <clears throat> the people that we choose to be our decision makers matter. Um, 
curious to me why Priscilla is wanting control so bad, and it probably has some impact on access. Does she have the ability to write herself a check uh, or or any of her kids a check or, or whatever it is? Um, and so the people that, that we name matter. Also, what really matters is we're probably never going to find out a lot of the answers to these questions. There will be uh, uh, some opinions probably issued as pu- a matter of public record on this petition. But are we ever going to find out what was actually in the estate? If it's a trust, all likely, probably not, which is one of the reasons why uh, we like to use trust around here anyhow is we can keep a lot of information private. So there might be a dispute. We might see a ruling as to whether Priscilla is in control of the trust because that might be a public record. But what the trust actually says probably won't and probably shouldn't be. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why um, you could consider a trust in the first place is to keep your information private, not public. Um, and then some radio host won't be talking about your estate down the road. Um, let's talk about the valid execution of these types of estate planning documents. So state laws vary, um, but generally speaking, wills can be validly executed with two, two witnesses, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the, the best practice is we want to have two witnesses on the document. Um, now, what's interesting about this is Pennsylvania has a quirky law that not every state has that you sign your will in the presence of two witnesses. That can all be notarized. And then we do a subsequent document called a self-proof affidavit that says that we just witnessed this person sign a will. And then we sign another document that says we just signed a document saying that we just witnessed this person watching a will. And it seems pretty redundant, and it is pretty redundant. Um, here's the reason why it's necessary. When I pass away, if my estate is a will, then my executor has to go to the courthouse and present the will for probate. And that's, that's how the person gets what are called the letters um, that will present that will allow the executor to actually go out and do their job. Executor can't just go to the bank without the paperwork from the courthouse in the first place, right? So, what happens at the Register of Wills office though is if the docu- document comes in and there's two witnesses. Um, and it's not a self-proven will, then they may be required to testify that, yeah, I saw Tim sign his document. Well, this could be 20 or 30 years from now. The people that witnessed me signing this will may not be alive anymore, um, and we can avoid all of this headache by having the thing being self-proven. A self-proven will, um, that secondary affidavit that goes on the back of the will says, um, you can, like, essentially, you can trust us. We actually did watch this person sign a will, and then they don't have to come and and testify at the courthouse that they watched me sign my will. So... Be careful with, with what's technically valid versus what's um, best practice, of course. If you work with a law firm that does this stuff, they're going to know these rules. I do have concerns about people that do their own wills at home, whether they take advantage of uh, the proper formatting, the proper um, protocols to execute these documents. Um, so, like I said, a will, which seems to be the most important plan uh, document in a lot of people's plan, doesn't really even need to notarize to be notarized, but seems to be best practice. Now, put that in contrast to a power of attorney document. Power of attorney document, which is a lifetime document allowing somebody to make decisions regarding my affairs. Now, by law, that one does have to be notarized. And so I've seen people that will pull some form off the Internet and or at some notary's office and write their name on the thing and think that the thing is valid when in reality it needed to be notarized all along to be valid under state law. So um, you got to be very careful with these quirky little rules. And then <clears throat> trusts, trusts vary depending on the state. Um, here in Pennsylvania, we notarize all of them. 
Um, and we don't necessarily need witnesses, though, and at least at our law firm, we do witnesses too. Uh, in some states, witnesses are required. And so, you know, a lot of people can trip themselves up with regard to the validity of this, the documents that they're signing just by making some silly mistake. Um, so uh, stay tuned on Lisa Marie's affairs in the state for what comes public. I, I just doing what I do. I'm curious on how all this works out. Um, but um, I think there's some lessons to be learned here that working with the right lawyer, doing things correctly, um, can can create can prevent your family from having the need of going to um, the courthouse to fight over this stuff. Uh, there's another article. I want to switch gears a little bit. There's another article while I was preparing for the show that I wanted to mention, and that just came out here um, just in the last couple hours. And that is, it's related to uh, what I talked about in last week's episode, if you checked out last week's episode, is that the Biden administration is ending a lot of the COVID-era emergencies, right? So there's a couple of things in this article that I think could be problematic for some people, uh, and that is some of the COVID tests, COVID vaccines are going to become private pay. Medicare, Medicaid may not pay for these things. Your private insurance will probably follow suit and not pay for these things. And apparently the COVID vaccine is going to be $80 or $130. So um, given that a lot of people are reluctant to take the vaccine anyway, I think you give them 130 reasons not to take it anymore. Uh, And so that will be an interesting thing to see how our politicians are, uh, are arguing about these things. And then the same issue pops up in the CNN article, which is what I was telling you about last week, which is um, Medicaid redeterminations. So when you go on Medicaid benefits, <clears throat> the, there's a financial eligibility determination. Now, Medicaid is supposed to check on you once a year to make sure that you are still eligible for Medicaid benefits. Uh, And this affects everybody on Medicaid. Our clients that we typically help at the law firm are people in nursing homes, and we help get them nursing home Medicaid so that they don't go broke in the nursing home. But the Medicaid redetermination issue um, in 2020 the the federal government decided um, to put in these emergency um, rulings that um, put on pause the need for Medicaid to continue to annually determine if somebody who is on a Medicaid should still be on Medicaid. Well, the free-for-all is apparently over, and they're now going to be looking at Um, people who are on Medicaid and making them redetermine if they're eligible. So uh, the state Medicaid agencies, remember Medicaid is a federally funded but state implemented program. The the federal government has told the states that you need to start figuring out and disenrolling people who are no longer eligible starting April 1st of this year, and you've got 14 months to run through everybody. But according to the CNN article, a total of roughly 15 million people could be dropped from Medicaid when the continuous enrollment requirement ends. So 15 million people are going to find themselves without health insurance. Some of them are seniors with dementia in nursing homes. Um, And the nursing homes are going to say, well, wait a second, our bill is $10,000 a month. Who's going to pay this thing now? Um, So there's millions and millions of people. And if you think about it, what do we have? Some 300-odd million people in the United States. So what is this, about 5% of the population? 15 15 million people could be impacted by this? So this is a pretty big deal, 15 million people no longer with health insurance. Um, And 
you know, it, it, it begs into question a whole lot of things. If you have a loved one in a nursing home and are concerned about them losing nursing home Medicaid eligibility, you can check out last week's show, or you can just give us a buzz, and we're helping people figure this out pro- uh, proactively. We'll review the situation with you, and we can look at it through the same lens that Medicaid eligibility rules are going to look at it and say, are, you, are we going to have a problem come April 1st? Are we not going to have a problem come April 1st? Um, so if you got any question about whether you or your loved one is going to continue to remain eligible for nursing home Medicaid, I can't do it for everybody on any Medicaid, but for nursing home Medicaid, long-term care Medicaid, um, give us a call and we'll help you figure that thing out. Um, and if you are no longer eligible for Medicaid, then <clears throat> we'll help create a plan to keep you eligible for Medicaid. Um, and so who are the people who should be concerned about this? In the context of people in nursing homes, on nursing home Medicaid, uh, we're looking for people who have increased their net worth since becoming eligible for Medicaid. So how does that happen? Well, it could be that you sold an asset that was not countable in the first place. So somebody can go into a nursing home, become eligible for Medicaid while still owning a house or a car, right? Well, but then if you subsequently sell the house, let's say dad's house sells for $200,000, dad now has $200,000 cash. He's not financially eligible for Medicaid anymore because you're not allowed to be on Medicaid and have $200,000 in cash. So typically, dad would get booted off of Medicaid. But dad has not been booted off of Medicaid for 2020 because Medicaid wasn't allowed to come back and ask you about your money anymore. And so if the house has sold in the last couple of years, you probably got a challenge on your hands. Um, Another is the sale of the car or um, if somebody in a nursing home came into an inheritance or any other reason that they came into more money. Sometimes people become over-resourced because they violate the rules and they don't pay enough income to the nursing home every month. So if you're not paying your income to the nursing home, that accumulates in a checking account. Before too long, you've got too much money to be eligible for Medicaid, right? So be on the lookout for those things. If you've got somebody in a nursing home or if you work in a nursing home, this Medicaid redetermination issue, I think it's going to be a big problem for people and how they're going to be able to continue to get their care. And it's going to be a big problem for nursing homes on how they're going to be able to pay uh, to be paid for the care that they're providing. Uh, so that's coming up. And, and if you're curious about how all this works and you would rather avoid all of those crazy rules that require you to go broke in the first place, I would encourage you to come check out one of our upcoming estate planning and elder law workshops. During the workshop, I teach you all about estate planning tools like wills and trusts and powers of attorney. We talk about the issues you're trying to plan around, things like taxes, long-term care uh, issues. How are we going to get our care? How are we going to pay for it? Um, I'll teach you how to uh, protect your assets from your kids' potential future issues like lawsuits and, and your kids' potential future divorce. You know, one of the issues that one of our clients uh, that many of our clients have is if my if I leave my daughter money and then she finally wakes up and divorces the bozo she married um, what's going to happen to the inheritance she received are we going to lose my entire net worth my entire life savings to her poor marital decision um, and so <clears throat> we want to protect our kids from the potential future issue around divorce and so I'll teach you all of that <coughs> in uh, one of our upcoming workshops, which you can find them all at secularlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com. <clears throat> there you'll find all kind of helpful information. We've got blog article after blog article teaching you some of these concepts. Um, and, again, I, I come from the standpoint of we should be an education-first law firm. 
where we give people the education for free, and then uh, we do excellent work once they've been educated. Um, and we do a lot of this in group sessions and group training and, and um, try to keep our costs down the way that we, uh, as much as we can. So my goal is to get you great estate planning at a reasonable fee, um, <clears throat> make sure that we hit the criteria for a successful estate plan. That is, it honors your life, it protects your resources, it sets your kids up for success, and it, um, it works today and tomorrow. And to that end, we have at the Secular Law Firm, we have an ongoing support program we call our Red Wagon Club. Um, which is designed to make sure that the estate plan works today and works tomorrow. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, This month we're doing a couple of talks on uh, the estate planning tools, the deep dive on how the trusts work. Um, Twice a year we do a kids executor trustee workshop. So, you know, one of my thoughts is, if you gave me the Steelers playbook, it doesn't make me a football coach. Uh, and so why would we be of the, the the opinion that we could hand your kid some 70-page trust document and they all of a sudden know how to be a trustee? They don't. So we teach them. What does this mean? When will I need to do what? Um, and because I want to set your kids up for success. We don't want them coming into our office with panic on their face that they've made some financial mistake or that they have some undue stress because they don't know what's being asked of them. So we have an ongoing program where we support your kids, we support your family, we support your estate plan. If the law changes, your estate plan can change, and you should check all that out when you come to us. We'll tell you about it at the workshop. Again, you can reach us at secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com, or you can give us a call at 724-546-4227. Now, <clears throat> briefly, and I'm sorry, I've got a bit of a cough here. The other thing i like to put on your radar is if you are currently uh, in the process of helping to figure out a loved one's estate, if you've recently lost a loved one and you don't know where to turn next, you don't know about this thing called the inheritance tax, you don't know if you need to probate a will, you're not really sure what your parent owned, you're really not sure what to do next, we have regular workshops in our office uh, every other week where we help executors figure out what they need to do and whether they need to hire a lawyer to help them with it. Uh, so you can find out all about it. Give us a call, uh, 724-546-4227, or go to secularlawfirm.com. Listen, I hope you found this uh, episode entertaining. I hope you found it informational. Please don't make any decisions based on what you heard on this or any other radio show. If you need some help, give us a shout. I look forward to seeing you here next week. Have a great one. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.